humble our hearts in a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for that spirit that you have promised. We thank you for this opportunity to gather around and fellowship in your word. We would ask that your spirit would be with us this morning that it would open our ears and it would open our hearts and that it would open this word. We ask this morning that we could be refreshed and that that undying portion should be, could be given food and that we could be encouraged and led. We ask that as we look at this world around us, that you would give us comfort, and that you would encourage us to spend more time looking to you. We ask that you would lead and guide our nation, and that you would lead those, the other nations that are around us, and that you could give us comfort to know, in spite of what the world is doing, that you are still in charge, and that your will and your wisdom is there, and that we can trust in you. 
We ask that those who today cannot gather around your word, that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, and that you could give their hearts that faith and understanding that you are with them. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Should we continue with 246?
This morning I'll turn to the book of Romans, to the 8th chapter, and I will read the first 17 verses, that's Romans 8, reading in Jesus' name. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies that the Spirit, by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, for if we, if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye, are not, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, may be also glorified together. Amen. (coughs) I guess as seems so often, I find needful to ask for your prayers. There seems... In this world, 
so much that is happening. As we look back, or as I look back, I guess, it seems always that there's a lot happening, but it all of a sudden, in the last week, it seems that there's so much going on in this natural world. And yes, as I prayed, or said in my prayer, I believe in, and I hope we all believe and understand that God is in charge. And while we at times perhaps struggle to understand the way that he's working to achieve what it is that he is achieving, we do, because of the Bible, understand what the end is. And I believe that we can trust in those promises that he will care for us. I don't know why I can't probably turn to it. But there is that place where Paul writes that he is in Christ. And it doesn't matter whether he lives or dies, he is Christ. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but there is... I don't know how else to say this to explain it the simplest, but maybe I'll go back even to when I was there, when we were there, when my dad passed away. And because how his life had been for many years up to that point, physically he was nothing like the man that he had been the good portion of his life. That was gone. And it didn't mean that it wasn't him still, just physically his body was gone. And had been for quite a period of time. And when he passed, I have to admit that I didn't feel very sad in most ways. It was almost envy. And I think as we look at this world around us and we see the things going on and we have that assurance in our heart of what we are looking forward to and I don't believe we understand it except maybe a little bit or in little tiny glimpses. Paul in the chapter of the charity chapter He words it in such a way that it appears at best it's looking through a glass darkly. And it is how it is. And yet, in spite of that, the Spirit gives us faith to understand and to believe that it is good that we are looking forward to as Christians. And we have that assurance. And yes, our flesh even as it mentions in our text here. Because this life is all that it has. It focuses on things of this world. It focuses on things that we would find interesting in this life. And it is only through the fact that through the Spirit of God we are able able to overcome 
what our flesh wants. And we're able to even, and I would pray even this morning, that we would be in this time that we come here, we come for an hour or so, and we look into the Word of God, and maybe I say it too often, but it's just a straight truth that my human nature and flesh finds no interest in doing it. No more than when I was little. And yet, by the grace of God, it is put upon our hearts to understand that there is something more important and that we are coming here and we are looking at matters that don't just, yes, perhaps they do matter in this life because many things of them do. But more importantly, they matter in eternity. And we are looking forward to what we are facing after we pass from this life. And we understand that it is a sinful world and that evil is the devil. Well, we know in reality that he is already beat, yet he is extremely busy trying to overcome, if I say, as much of humankind as possible because he hates good. There is nothing about what the devil wants to promote that is for the good of people. He would like to bring it out that way. (coughs) We understand we can go right back to the beginning and he flat... I don't... Sorry, my mind jumped too many directions at once there. I get frustrated watching leadership in our nation, I'll put it there, just flat out lying to us as people. And as a Christian where truth is important, being honest is important, and we see that, and I find it frustrating. But it shouldn't surprise us when we understand because of our Christian view that the devil is what is promoting and human nature is what is promoting much of this stuff. We turn to the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve were in the garden there. They had one rule. The devil comes and says, no, God's just trying to keep something good from you. He knows that it would be better and so he kind of wants to squelch you a little bit. It was a lie then and he hasn't changed. He's been lying to mankind ever since and he makes things look good. It says that Eve looked at the fruit and it's like, wow, yeah, that looks good to eat. And unfortunately... Mankind has been paying for listening to that lie ever since. God knew that. He sent Christ so that if this human nature that is so easily persuaded by lies is overcome through the Spirit of God and we listen to that truth that is Christ, we can overcome that. 
And the sin that became a problem then and is still a problem now doesn't have to be with Christ because he paid for it. And in spite of what is so distracting, seems so important and perhaps is important in many cases that is going on in the world around us or in our own lives or in our hearts at times, I pray that we, as it says in the one psalm, if things begin to feel like too much, that we could be so blessed that God could put us on our heart, as it says there, be still and know that I am God. That is what God would desire for us. Not that we would <clears throat> start feeling overwhelmed, not that we would get so much happening that we would be distracted and, and find more importance there than in the Word of God. We can look at internet. We can look at media. We can look at the world around us. It's busy. It isn't how God wants us. God says, be still. That's a, a difficult thing often for our human nature, for our flesh. We can come up with all, we're, we're wasting time, we should be doing something, whatever, you're being lazy. Yes, there is being lazy and there is wasting time. But if we take the second part, know that I am God. If that is what we are taking time to do, is to look to God, to get to know God better, to even pray that he would be near us. In James it tells us, <clears throat> I might be able to find that and read it, so I don't misquote it. <clears throat> James tells us, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That is what God desires, is that we would draw nigh to him, and he will draw us to him. This text that I read, it speaks and puts a little bit more clarity there between the spiritual matters and the natural matters and puts them in their place of importance. And as Christians, we understand how important spiritual matters are. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Even that verse, as Christians, when we read it, what a wonderful promise. It says that if we are walking in Christ with the leading of the Spirit of God, there is no condemnation for us. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we don't have sin and doubts that we deal with. 
But that Spirit of God will lead us and guide us unerringly. It's something that can be difficult to explain to someone who has not experienced it. But as Christians, to explain to someone that we're no better than anybody else, we're, we're still sinful beings and we fail. It, it isn't in the failures that, I hope I can work, hope you understand what I'm saying, Mr. I have to word it carefully, but it isn't that in the failures that there's a problem, or if we sin that there is such a problem, there is, but the problem is, is if we can do that comfortably, yes, we fail. And I would hope that it would prick our consciences. And that we would listen to that. And that our consciences would be soft and quick to be, I'd say, pricked when we do something wrong. That we could deal with it. That we could bring those things to that altar of mercy. That we could hear that they're forgiven in the name and blood of Christ. Because hearing gives faith. But if we find, and we can't judge someone else, but we can look at our heart, if we are going along and there is something that is wrong and we're finding it comfortable to be there, we need to be careful. That's a dangerous place to be. Because sin is not some place that a Christian should be comfortable living in. Because we understand that, yes, there is forgiveness. And that we are not, if we sin, we don't all of a sudden, we're not a Christian. We, we don't bounce in and out of faith. But yes, we sin. But we pray that that spirit would convict our hearts. And that we would turn to Christ. I mentioned <clears throat> at times there's the account in the Old Testament when they were wandering in the wilderness and they came in contact with um, Balak's people, the one that Balaam asked Balaam to come and curse them, <coughs> and he didn't. But they came in contact with them, and, and I can't remember the, the numbers. It, it's I can't remember, but I think it's something like it says 30,000 fell in one day. They fell into fornication with the women of Moab. And we understand that that is a problem. It is wrong. It is grave sin. But if we read that account, it, there is something that is even worse. That it caused God to get very angry with them. And if you read that, it says the sons of God lay down with the daughters of Moab and they rose up and they worshipped the gods of Moab. And God was extremely upset with them. Yes, the sin that they did was wrong. But what they did with that was even worse. 
They didn't turn to God to seek forgiveness. They looked to those idols of Moab to do something about what they had fallen into. Yes, we make mistakes. What do we do with that? Do we turn to Christ? Or are we going to try to do something on our own? Because if we do something on our own, in reality, it's idol worship. That is all it is, and God warns against it. Because we are looking to something else to deal with our sin besides Christ. And then there is condemnation. And the Bible is very clear on that. Because it says, they that are in Christ Jesus. I pray that we could all stay and walk in Christ. It says, for the law of the spirit of for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We understand that Moses brought the law, and even, I guess I could read the next verse, it says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. We remember the story, again, the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, and they sinned. And they asked God that he would guide them, Basically, they said that, well, if we just knew what you wanted us to do, we would do it. So God gave them the law through Moses. But even as it points out here, it wasn't that the law was a problem. The law was good and righteous. And yet it was a law, as it says here, of sin and death. Why? Because it just revealed the sin that was in mankind. And we had no way of overcoming it. And God, right at the beginning, tells Adam and Eve that because you have sinned, you will die. And they did. And it hasn't changed. And putting that law, or giving that law to those Israelites through Moses, it didn't all of a sudden make them good. It All it did was reveal what big sinners they are and showed very clearly that they were going to die because of that. They had no hope. And anybody that figures that we're going to save ourselves by following the law, it doesn't work. Why? Because what it says in that third verse, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, what it couldn't it do? It couldn't make us good. It could not make human nature good. It can just show how bad we are. And that's what it's for. It shows us how ridiculous it is to think that we have the ability to be good. Because God demands perfection. And we are anything but perfect. And so we look to this law of the Spirit, of life in Christ Jesus. Because that is what frees us 
from the condemnation of that law that came with Moses. It is through the Spirit of God that reveals to believe in Christ that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Oh, sorry, I missed the end of that other verse. God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That's what Jesus came for. He came as one of us, walked and accomplished that law to perfection, and then get that perfection to us. I guess I could say after he died on the cross and paid for our sin and covered it in his blood, that we could be righteous. And to me, it is hard to believe even, where it says here that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. It isn't in our doing it, it's in Christ has done it, and we can have that for our own. But it's not by walking good. It isn't, it says here, who walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. It's not making our flesh any better. It isn't making it good. It's that the Spirit would be there. That it would be alive and that it would be the Spirit of God dwelling there. I don't want to say exactly that we don't worry about what happens to this flesh because the Bible encourages us that it is good that we take care of it. And it is good if we walk by, say, morally upstanding lives and that we would walk because it is this flesh where that spirit dwells that God uses to work in this world. He uses even this preaching or sharing or even our walk that people would look at it. And we would hope that Christ is seen in our lives, that it is he that is guiding us. And we're not walking and concerning ourselves or that our lives are focused on this natural life. And yes, we have to go about our daily tasks. We have jobs, we have problems, we have responsibilities. But, That is not where our focus should be. Our focus should be on Christ. And those matters of eternity and faith and salvation and the Spirit of God and those other things, God says He'll take care of them. And yes, we might have to do them, but He gives us the strength. He gives us the wisdom if we are looking to Him. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And there it is. It encourages us to focus on those matters of spirit and not on these carnal things of this world. We do them, we have to, as I said, but 
the focus, the importance is on the matters of the heart and spiritual. And what does it lead to? Life? Yes, I believe that it can improve our life here. And all we have to do is look at people who are going to do their own thing and go contrary to the Word of God. And their lives, even if on the surface they look not too bad, they're a disaster in reality. And we can see some lives spiral downhill very quickly. So there is even natural blessings in them. But, even more importantly, is the spiritual life. And the peace that is comes in a heart of knowing that we are first and foremost right in the sight of God, peace of a good conscience, and the peace of knowing that no matter what the world would try to do to us, the worst they can do is kill this natural flesh. They can't take away our salvation. They can't take <clears throat> they can't take away our faith. They can't they can not take away our Savior. We can have peace in that. And it is a peace that is bigger and better and more important than any natural peace in this world. <clears throat> it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. <clears throat> there it is pretty plain. Our natural minds want to focus on natural things. <clears throat> they don't want to be subject to God. And it says they're not. It doesn't mean that God can't keep this human flesh in subjection. And it's something that I don't know that I can explain. But it says we die daily. That this flesh is dead. And it is. Spiritually, it is dead. Yes, there is natural life there. And that natural life is a blessing. <clears throat> but this natural life and this natural flesh has nothing beyond this life to look forward to. It will go back to the dust and the Bible tells us that <clears throat> this world will be burnt up. We look forward to something better. <clears throat> so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God <clears throat> but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. To me, that is, people want to define what a Christian is. And it can be a difficult thing to do in a way, and yet there is very simply... If the Spirit of God or if the Spirit of Christ dwells in a heart, there's a living Christian there. If that Spirit is not there, there's not a living Christian there. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter what is on the outside. 
It doesn't matter how good someone lives. It doesn't matter if someone fails or makes mistakes. It's whether the Spirit of God is dwelling in that heart. And that is why it is so important that we would have that Spirit of God and that we would listen to it. It says, quench not the Spirit. Why? Because if we keep quenching that Spirit of God and not listening to it, if it is prompting us to deal with something that it knows we should deal with and we are ignoring it and keep squelching it and whatever the case may be in whatever the situation it can eventually just go back to God and that is a sad thing and if Christ be in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness yes this natural flesh it is is and will never be spiritually alive it died it fell into sin in the garden of Eden and is dead yes we still have this natural life that we live for however long God gives us here But much more importantly, and it is what we would share the gospel message with people, it is what we would share this word of God with people, because our desire is that they would become spiritually alive, that that spirit of God would dwell in a heart and lead and guide and encourage and be there. And if this natural body dies yes it is something that we are sad about it is something that I know we all want to live I guess but more importantly is that we would be alive spiritually because we know we're going to die I mean unless Christ comes back and and we are taken up to heaven in that way but otherwise we're going to die it's just the way it is naturally but that we don't as much as our human nature doesn't want that we understand as in John it says we don't have to fear that we don't have to fear what we face because we know yes we will leave this life but we have a God that it will say, come, be blessed of the Father. And even as it tells us as we go down to the end of this text, there's great promises for those who have that Spirit of God dwelling in them. It says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We are made alive in Christ. Even this natural body is put in subjection by the spirit of God. 
And it is, as it says, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you. That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. And we would desire that it would be in us and that it would guide us. And it tells us that we are to pray or encourage to pray that God would give of his Spirit. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It is encouraging us to focus on those matters of spirit and faith. And yes, there's, as I already mentioned, natural things that we have to deal with. But, not in the way that our flesh would want to deal with them. If we are dealing with some problem, our natural instinct is to get angry, to get even, to get vengeance, to make someone pay. And that's just one small example. The Word would encourage us to do something else. To listen to what the Spirit would encourage us to do. To be patient. To be long-suffering, forgiving. That's what it says when we live after the flesh that it's talking about. Not just the natural things that we do in this life but after the inclinations of our flesh that are evil. We can read them in Galatians there, at the end of that sixth chapter of Galatians. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. So this is the works of the flesh that is speaking about there that we read in Romans, that we are not to, to um, how does it word it? <clears throat> that we are not to um, mortify But the works of the flesh are are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Those are the works of the flesh that we are to not do. Not our natural jobs and things like that. It's those things that are sinful and against God that we find in our flesh. (coughs) But we are able to focus on these things. (coughs) But it says it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lusts. Yes, those things can even come out of our natural walk if the Spirit of God is 
there and guiding and leading. And amazingly enough, it does. And we see the power of God to overcome this flesh. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What a promise that is to us. If that Spirit of God is in us and dwells in us, we are considered the children of God. And it goes on here, and to me it is an amazing thing to believe, and I hope we would all do that and trust in it. It says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And we are called the servants of God. And we are, and we understand that. But what we are looking forward to and what in some way we are already, we are the children of God. And as it says, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Christ came and walked perfectly, died for our sins, descended into hell, as we say, and rose again and ascended to heaven. And we are considered heirs with him. And we understand what an heir is. If someone's an heir to whatever it is, it means that when the person dies, it becomes yours. Or when you grow up, it becomes yours. What Christ went back to in heaven, the perfection, and what we can't even understand or describe because we are so human, it is ours. We don't have to fear anything because what we have to look forward to is perfection. And people come up with all sorts of ideas of what might be in heaven. The problem is is we only have earthly minds and the best that we can come up with is the best that is available to us in this world, which is not very good compared to heaven. The only thing good is that spirit and that will be there also, and Christ. It says, In joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Jesus came, walked perfectly, was condemned to death and suffered on the cross. We are born here. We're sinful from the day we are born, or even before. I don't know how we want to look at it, but we are sinful creatures. We walk far from perfect. Is it any wonder that we would have problems? If they could find enough wrong with perfection to crucify it, 
they can find enough wrong with us to cause us suffering. And this is a sinful world. We understand that there's going to be suffering. But we look to Christ even to deal with this natural suffering. I read here, I believe this last week, I think one is even in this <clears throat> fifth chapter of Romans. And I have to admit that I have a, <clears throat> I don't know if I should say a hard time, but I, I struggle to do what the Word tells us to do here. This is the third verse of the fifth chapter. It says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. <clears throat> I struggle to glory in tribulations. I don't want them. It says, For tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. <clears throat> we are going to have trials and tribulations in this life. And because we're Christians and we understand that the devil is against Christ, and we are his, not the devil, but we are Christ's representatives here. We are the ambassadors of God. He is going to try to cause us as much trouble as he can. It's going to happen. But God is there. That Spirit of God it will lead us and protect us and encourage us. <clears throat> I didn't read the next verse here, but I will close with it. It says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time, sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I find it very easy to get feeling overwhelmed by the problems and suffering in this life. But it tells us here, they are nothing compared to the glory that will be there, that will be revealed in us. And what is it? It is faith in Christ. I pray that in spite of what we see, happening around us, that we would not get discouraged, that we would not get downhearted, that we could remember that verse, that no matter what suffering this world could put in our way or in our life, it is nothing compared to what God has for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> we humble our hearts and receive your benediction. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. <clears throat> Should we close with 305? Amy says that she will have Bible study at her place Thursday evening, so... There'll be Bible study there, 7.30, Thursday evening. Um, I know we've 
just briefly touched on it a little bit, but maybe we should have a meeting because we're, um, things have been a little bit up in the air for the last few years, and maybe for a few days we'll get things sort of normal here. Hopefully, it lasts longer than that. But anyway, I don't know. Do we want to have a meeting as early as next week, or does someone, anybody have any thoughts? <coughs> Does that work for every anybody? Everybody? Nobody? Oh, it is not a shower. Okay. Well, we'll have a meeting then, right? Everyone will be there. Okay. Well, maybe we'll tentatively think about the following week, and if anybody comes up with something or it isn't going to work, I guess we can deal with it then. So. So it'll be the second Saturday in March that things work out here. 305?
Thank you.